I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. And this is Hagen Dost and Bill Wesselink of Dovetail Brewery in Chicago. We have we have the the greatest taproom staff, and they and uh, you know they they will uh, they will attempt to to um, uh, understand what that what that person really really is looking for in a beer, and try to give them something something of an equivalent. Well, you might you, if if that's what you're looking for, you might you might enjoy this. My full raucous, Roush beer-filled conversation comes up just after this. But first, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Deschutes Brewery. Extra time, craft, and passion are parts of every Deschutes beer, including fresh-squeezed IPA, available all year round. Fresh-squeezed IPA is full of juicy citrus and grapefruit flavors, as if fresh citra and mosaic hops were squeezed straight into every bottle. You can find Deschutes Brewery beers in 32 states and two Canadian provinces. Go to DeschutesBrewery.com to find their beer near you. And this podcast is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insights into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. Hi, this is John Hall, and welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I love Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities, and I hadn't visited for, gosh, maybe about two or three years uh, before I got there this past September. And so having been a while since I visited the Windy City, I, I started calling around to some friends who were local and some friends who travel quite a bit, and I said, where do I need to go in Chicago? And number one on everybody's list kept popping up Dovetail. And so it's a brewery that was founded by Hagen Dost and Bill Wesselink. They met in brewing school years ago, and they decided to open up a fairly traditional brewery in Chicago. It's actually not too far from the Cicerone offices, for those of you who uh, like to know your beer geography when it comes to, to Chicago and beer. Um, so I stopped in one night. I had a pint maybe two, maybe three, uh, was really just sort of loving the beer. And then I called them up and I said, hey, can I come by and, 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 and talk with you? And I really kind of wanted to find out what makes them tick, first of all, recipe-wise. And I soon found out that, one, there's no secrets in the brewery, and two, it, it's hard not to like these guys. One, their beer is great, but they also have this really sort of, you know, fun and casual approach. And when you hear that, oh, well, we do traditional German-style lagers or, you know, traditional German-style beers, you're going to kind of have a little bit of kitsch in your head or you're going to think, maybe, or maybe this is just me, that it's going to wind up being a certain way. And so I was pleasantly surprised when I walked in and, and found it to be just a perfectly normal tap room. The first voice you're going to hear is Hagen, and he's explaining their thought in creating this brewery space. Here's the full conversation. Yeah, we don't. Ha there's no like German kitschiness or, around, and we we actively, actively, you know, sought to weed all of that kind of stuff out. Um, was it because it was going to be gimmicky? It's just not us. We're Americans, you know, and we 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 love German beer, uh, and we love we love but we love Belgian beer too because there's that whole spontaneous side of, of of what we do too, and you know we didn't we didn't want to uh we didn't want to give our our brewery uh you know a a german name you know uh uh or a european name 
you know, we just wanted it, wanted it to be true to, to what we are. So, yeah. So, so like, like, like Bill was saying, you know, it's, we, we met in beer school. So, so like the, from the beginning, we've, we've seen this place as, uh, um, two brewers coming together to form a stronger brewery. And that's, that's where the, that's where the, the, that's why we're named after the dovetail joint. And that, and that also, I think, speaks to a certain amount of skill, right? Like, that's not necessarily an easy joint in woodworking. It's not necessarily a... But it's important, and it's, it's creative, and it, it shows great skill and great care. And I think that, for me at least, that was sort of one of those things where if you're going to name your, your brewery after something very specific, your product and your, your space should, should match that. Oh, I agree. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the, the name was very important. It took us a long time to, to figure out that right name um, but it's also you know we, that we we went to school and we took the time to understand aspects of, of beer and brewing and and uh, chose um, beer to make that we like to drink ourselves you know one of the things that I, I I'm sort of struck by over and over again is and, and I think it's great that we have so many breweries that are operating in the country right now and and more on the way but Proper brewing school training, I think, is something that I wish more of the newer brewers were doing. You know, there's a lot of folks who have been home brewers who have who have gone into it, and they make some really wonderful beer, even in the spontaneous space. Um, but I'm, I'm, we've only been talking for a few minutes now, and, and you both have brought up uh, brewing school and education multiple times. That's obviously something that weighs heavy on you, um, or has 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 helped shape you. I'm. I'm sort of curious as to you know how you see the role of education in beer these days well <laughs> guys are fighting over who gets to go first I like we're, it. we're trying to we're trying to give it to each other um i mean i i think that's just a it's just a general life philosophy for us right i mean it's it's important to it's important to have education and to be educated in whatever field uh, you you go into um, not to say that you keep that that you can't be self-educated but it's it somehow you have to achieve a depth of knowledge uh, and for us the choice was not to you know not to you know try and try and do it by home home brewing and reading the choice was to to plunge into the into the world of beer uh, through uh, in our case, the the uh, the Siebel Damon's uh, WBA program. So we're we're both certified master brewers, um, and I think that was probably one of the things that that brought us together. First, is that we were, you know, we we both respect uh, respect the um, the depth of knowledge required to produce uh, a good beer. Um, because brewmaster is a term that gets thrown around like a lot, and I think almost too much. There, there's you know people who are opening up a one barrel nano system somewhere who's been a home brewer forever, and they're like starting off calling themselves a, a, a brewmaster, you know, because they just think that that's like oh I own a brewery or you know I make beer that that's what it is. I don't know if people fully understand what goes into that sort of training and what goes into that sort of designation. Just to uh, make a point, we are not brewmasters. We're okay. not master brewers. Uh, the diploma that we have says we're certified, uh, you know, master brewers or whatever it says, but 
we are far from that. Um, but I, I do agree with you that uh, it is a loosely coined term. Um, I don't think I'll ever call myself a brewmaster, maybe until the day I die. But uh, I think to, to call oneself that without having, you know, a lifetime of knowledge is, is a little off-putting. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's something that somebody else should confer on you, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, yeah. yeah. yeah it's not a self-designated title, you know, because no. it's like we could all just, be, you know, call ourselves emperor if we wanted to, but, you know, then we'd just get locked away. Yeah, that's a great it's, idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all emperors now. No, but, uh, yeah, our, our, our title here is literally brewer-owner, each, each yeah. of us. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, whatever uh, is the coin of the day, you know, how we feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to keep going down on this, this education thing because I, I think you're being a little modest and that I think that, you know, modesty and humility is a, is a great thing to have, I think, in any profession. But where, where do you like to put your, your education to work? Like, what, 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 where are you still looking to grow as a brewer? What interests you guys as, you know, as you walk in every day as a Bruner or, uh, owner, but you know, but you have these certifications, you have these uh, these skills that you've been doing for for quite a while now. And it, but there's, it seems to me that you're you're in this we're never going to stop learning phase. And so I'm curious as to where you are right now with you know what you want to be learning, like what you want to be uh, creating, and how you go about kicking that can down the road a little bit. Uh, for me, it's probably twofold. One uh, is that, you know, we want to get uh, the people that work for us trained as well and, and, and educated uh, so, they can, and t so they can keep this place going to the um, level that we want. Um, but two, for me, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm really interested in uh, styles of beer and, and uh, historic styles and uh, trying to figure out... Um, you know, how they were originally made and, and then how we could make them. Um, you know, like that, the, uh, the Vienna lager, uh, you know, we, we thought about, you know, how this beer would have been made in Austria and in Vienna, you know, in the, you know, late 1800s, where the malt would have come from, what it would have tasted like, the hops, how it would have been brewed, water profile, you know, uh, uh, bitterness, all that kind of stuff, um, and, and we think about these things before we make the beer. You know, we kind of have this uh, philosophy of looking from the outside in when uh, coming up with a new beer of, of uh, you know, all the the five points that Hagen can rattle off really better than I can. Appearance, aroma, flavor, mouthfeel, aftertaste. So we we, we think about those things, and and, and you know. And, and how it should look in the glass before we even sit down to write a recipe. But, you know, for me, it's, a, it's, it's looking at beard that way and uh, getting the staff, uh, you know, to the same level that we're at. That's got to come with challenges, though, because uh, let's stay with Vienna Lager for just a minute. I, I think that the majority of beer drinkers in America, craft beer drinkers or independent or whatever we're calling ourselves these days, came up on Sam Adams Boston Lager, which is a Vienna, or at least what they call a Vienna. But I imagine the recipe that you came up with is different than that. If you go to the historical styles, if you go to heritage malts, if you're looking at water profiles of Vienna of that age, it's going to taste different than what you're getting from 
what most people might think is is a Vienna. And so I guess there's got to be challenges with that because if somebody walks in and they say, oh, okay, I know what, what that tastes like, and then they have yours and they're like, well, okay, I get it, but is, is it a tougher sell or is it an easier sell because you're talking about history and you're talking about tradition or you're just sort of like, or it's just, it's it is not what even it is. A, it's not even a, I mean, a, a sell. It's just, you know, it, does the beer taste good? And <laughs> and for, to most people it does. And like the, the decision that we landed on for that Vienna lager was just as simple as possible. Because one of the advantages. In what way? One, well, so one of the advantages that we have is, is that we now we've, so is that we've started a brewery and we've we've had to had to figure out how to how to uh, keep it going, you know, um, keep the business going, and it kind of it kind of informs your opinion of how maybe a brewer at any time would have kept their kept their business uh, going, and they would they would have struck a balance between um, between um, say complexity of a recipe and 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 uh, um, the ease, the necessary ease of running a business. So, <laughs> so our our Vienna Lager is uh, it's a hundred percent Vienna malt, a good malt. It's not a classic malt. It's not under modified or anything yeah. like that. But it's a it's a hundred percent Vienna malt, and it's a single. It's a single hop, Styrian Goldings, and it's uh, it's a drinkable ABV five five point three percent, and it's a um, it's a twenty seven IBU, so a nice nice bitterness in in balance and a double decoction, so it has uh, has that uh, you know kind of a, in addition to to the to the toastiness or caramel caramel nature of the malt you get a, you get a little bit of addition from the uh, Maillard production in the in the decoction yeah um, so and it and it's like for us it's relatively it it's relatively simple to produce because of that because that's that simple malt bill and uh, and you know our, our system is set up to easily easily produce decocted beers yeah. Let's talk about your system a little bit more because for the ease of a recipe where you're using a single malt and a single hop, that's, that's nice for one of the beers. But then you guys have added on some extra steps to your process that you don't necessarily see in too many other places. I think last night we were talking that there's one other brewery that we both know of uh, here in the U.S. that kind of does it like you guys do, but... I mean, I'm you, you, it up. You, yeah. you can say what you're thinking. It's well, stupid. No, no, I don't think it is. I, think, I, I don't most, know if people know what we're talking about yet, most, but I, most I, think, I think it's really cool. I think it, 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 it's kind of fun. And as I was walking in this morning and I can smell, you know, the wart, you know, coming out, like I got excited. Uh, you know, it's filling the, filling the streets and it's, you yeah. know, it, it, it has that sort of traditional, uh, you know, feel to it as well. And, you know, the, the beer in the air. Um, but, I mean, walk us through, like... I mean, I'm talking that you run all of your, your, your beers through a cool ship. Oh. Oh, that too. That's what oh, I was that talking too. about. Yeah, yeah that, that's oh, no, stupid what, too. Okay, well, so. what, what, was the, what was the first stupid thing that <laughs> so, you guys were thinking of? Oh, the first decoction. Thing. Yeah. Well, actually, the first, the first stupid thing is that we make our own water. Okay. So. <laughs> it, it's a really long process. you got to start the night before. Hagen throws 
Hydrogen, I throw oxygen. Every once in a while, I throw oxygen just to just to make it interesting. Yeah. You but know. you guys are messing with your water profile. You're, yeah. you're creating what you want we have a, from the start. We have a custom uh, custom RO skid. Yeah. Uh, so so for our loggers, we, we um, this, and this is this is actually back to the Vienna. This is where it diverts from the, the traditional Vienna. We actually use soft water. Okay. For for the Vienna because we we feel that soft water, um, you know, not only does it give you the benefit of lower uh, of uh, lower pH in in the mash, it also has that soft. Uh, soft mouthfeel mm-hmm. um, and uh, drying uh, uh, kind of a, a helps with the dry dry aftertaste that helps uh, the perceived um, perceived bitterness and and aftertaste. So we have a we have a, a an RO skid that uh, first it first it carbon filters it knocks knocks all the chlorine out uh, and then it uh, then we uh, go through RO knock. 99.9% of the minerals out then we re-blend with a little bit of uh, of carbon filtered water um, about 10% um, and and then we remineralize with calcium chloride and magnesium sulfate and we're we're approximating the um, the uh, profile of the water of Pilsen and you're doing this for all of your beers lagers lagers only the lagers okay yeah well, actually, the spontaneous beers too. Okay, <laughs> it's just easy. It's easy. It's easier. It gives it. it yeah, it's it's neat. But we 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 do uh, chlor uh, charcoal filtered water for our German ales, or Polish ales, or Polish ales too. Right, that's true. Grudziski. So all right, so it's starting at the very basic level then. Uh, but this goes back to sort of the care that we were talking about before. And I mean, there's most places that or not most, but I mean, uh, there's a lot of breweries that uh, will just use their water profile or pick a place that has decent water and they might do some treatments to it. But I mean, you guys are like, you're right. You're literally building your water profile for each of your lagers and then your spontaneous and your Polish and German ales as well. So uh, this goes back to the to the ad- advantage of of education. So, uh, so Damon's has a water sommelier mm-hmm. on uh, on staff, and the first the first time the first time I heard they had a water sommelier, I was like, oh, come, come on, <laughs> water sommelier. <laughs> and then and then he did this tasting with us, this tasting of like two or three, or maybe three or four different waters, and I was like, wow, this guy's this guy's brilliant, and and it was it was it was a um, a, a perception altering experience because I mean it, it, we all know that water doesn't necessarily just taste like water there's the difference between what'll come out of the tap or and and where it came from if it's an aquifer or if it's a uh, uh, a well or you know anything or if it's been treated somehow or Poland spring versus some of the others that have just been filtered from their taps and things like that but that's a really interesting thing that I don't think people think too much of of just the actual taste of water as long as it doesn't bother you and for the most part, I don't think it usually does. Uh, people aren't necessarily thinking about about that, but um, but clearly, like it, it works for your beers. You know, if you're starting with that with that base and you have that one ingredient, you know, that most important ingredient, how you want it to be, it's going to taste. The final product is going to be that much better, I imagine. Yep. Agreed. I mean, Chicago is a great town for water. You know, we got this great big lake of it i've seen it 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great it's breweries great here. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, And, yeah, it is, it is a great lake. Uh, but, yeah, that's, I, that, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky here. Um, all right, so, so let's get back to the brewing process because, all right, all right so you have your water oh, yeah. and then you guys are doing double decoction then we on have, your beers. Right, so, the, so we've got this brew house that, um, uh, it's, a, it's a four vessel brew house, uh, mash tun, louder tun, direct fire kettle, and a holding vessel. Uh, the, the other three vessels are, all have steam in some way or another, although we don't really use it on the louder tun. But it's nice to have. It's a nice to have. Yeah. 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 It's cool on the tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Especially great in the winters, I imagine, too. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's toasty up, in the, up on the, the brew deck. Yeah. Um, we, um, so, so, so when we decoct, we have, a, we, we have a, a flexible impeller pump that runs from our mash tun to our, uh, to our kettle. And we, we feel that the decoction, especially a, a direct fire decoction, is is really important to the flavor it, it also has you know a whole a whole slew of benefits this is um this is something that is intensely debated on beer twitter um uh and everybody's got the right answer but they, what they don't know is we've got the right answer what is the right <laughs> so is that the right answer <laughs> yeah, no i'm just kidding it's you know what beer the, the, twitter, the, the right on. no the right the right answer is is what is use whatever process you need to um, you, you feel you feel makes the beer that you want to get, and and for for us it's it's that it's a it's it's a direct fire kettle. Um, but for for others it's it's you know single infusion, uh, for others it's you know step step mash steam yeah uh, uh, steam fire or whatever steam steam kettles. So, but it sounds like you fine. both were in agreement on that from the beginning that you know if for the beers that you wanted to make this was the system that you were going to need. Why not do it right? <laughs> but see that, that see that's the thing. Like I know you guys are being you guys are being silly about this, but like but but it's got to be kind of true, right? I mean, it it, it 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 is. I mean, like you know, like I said, we we, we uh, went went to school in Germany and drank all this beer and, and uh, you know had great conversations about brewing and beer and you know and you know Pagan and I's first conversation was. Um, about uh, slaughter plates and cool ships uh, over wheat beers, um, but you know, drinking drinking those beers was um, was just a, a really uh, magical experience um, that you really couldn't find in craft beer. You know, at the time, this was you know six seven years ago. When you were in school, I don't remember. 2011. It's been so long. Eight years. Oh Jesus, eight <laughs> years ago. Um, you know, but then also around that time was like you know, lager started to uh, be recognized as a real craft beer style, or soon will be. I don't know. It's probably what even less five years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's only room to grow as far as you know, lagers and well, yeah, and everything nine, in the craft 90% space. Ninety percent of the uh, country drinks a lager. Yes. Yeah, and, and that, drinking beer. But I mean, and I, I've I've written about this and we've talked about this on other shows. But it's it's it was a hard thing for some of the original microbrewers to actually pull off in the way that uh, Anheuser or Coors or Miller were able to to do on that scale. And so you know the ales were easier in some ways, and also yeah, less for, uh, you know uh, uh, more forgiving. 
uh, if there was a you know a flaw or something in there. But I think it, you know what we've definitely seen is that it's the the logger movement is catching up because now you're right. It's it's 86 percent of the country is drinking you know Bud Miller Coors still and drinking yep. or White Claw. So we'll talk about Ooh, your hard yeah, seltzer hey. uh, program in a minute. Um, it's a secret but still. <laughs> it's in the tank. I hope it's like mango blackberry flavored or some sort of, you know, Oh, fun come on. Did you, look, did you look at the notes? On the, on the t- <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was looking at your fermenters. But the like, star fruit. But how many people do you have coming in who ask for your hazy IPA or ask for... Not anymore. They've learned. <laughs> people do, we send yeah, them down that the street, ca- That right? cattle prod uh, that, you know, that you give people when they come in? People do, yeah, people do come in and ask for, ask for you know, your... Your strong, your your most bitter, your strongest I, IPA, and yeah. Where's um, your Where's your imperial stout? Where's your yeah. right, right? But you know, our, we have we have the the greatest taproom staff, and they, and uh, you know, they they will uh, they will attempt to to um, uh, understand what that what that person really really is looking for in a beer, and try to give them something something of an equivalent. Well, you might you, if if that's what you're looking for, you might you might enjoy this. Or, yeah, you know, and uh, even even from the beginning, like when like we actually used to work the bar here, <laughs> the first the first few months well, we sure. were we were open and and uh, and you know, sure some, you guys didn't really have a choice in that. It was no, we didn't. Small we business. We didn't have anyone else to do it. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so um, uh, so people people would walk in and ask for a stout, and uh, you know we, we'd give them a sample of our Rausch beer and and they'd be like you know, like it was, and this was totally <laughs> shocking to to, to me mean. Uh, was was give give them our Rausch beer and they would love it they'd really like, oh yeah give me a give me, and people who you wouldn't think would enjoy a Rausch that's such beer. a polarizing style totally. I personally love it but like I mean I've, I've seen people run out of rooms yeah just at, well at the, near, at the mere smell of it well the, yeah but well, the, that, yeah that's a whole that's, that's a, a whole nother podcast. That's a whole podcast by itself. But okay. Yeah, but the, the whole the whole trick is the Ralph Beer podcast. Right. You make yeah. The the the, the America's <laughs> least popular beer podcast is is the <laughs> weekly Ralph Beer podcast coming soon to iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> this three, week, yeah, the three of us are listening right. to this week in Ralph Beer. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about Applewood. <laughs> a deep dive into the yeah. Actually, that that, that really could be fun. Yeah, it would be a great podcast. No, no right actually. now there's Seriously. like right now there's somebody listening, being like, "Well, I'm going to do that before they do." And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to beat them to it. Uh, I'm going to start getting emails of like, "Thanks for the great idea." Like, well, enjoy unemployment. Um, this week on Applewood. <laughs> But no, but seriously, so you can convince people who came in looking for a stout to drink yeah. a Rausch beer instead. Yeah, and but but the the key is you have to know how to make a Rausch beer that doesn't uh, taste like you're licking an ashtray. And that's okay, but that's a that is a big skill because for the most part, it's like wow, here's wet campfire wood is. Yep. I'd say eighty percent of the the Rausch beers that I've had recently, you know. But then of course you get like some of the Schlenkel beers, or you know, and they're just masterful and. Yep done in the right way and it's it's is it for you guys is it just a light touch with the smoke malt is it yes it's a light touch it's 95 percent smoke malt <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> really correct did you did you try the rock beer last no night? no i didn't hey, i, I think, didn't even know I think it was I, on i think i know what our next beer is yeah 
pretty yeah, much. No, yeah. So yeah, so it's ninety-five percent smoked malt, four uh, percent chocolate malt, and one percent uh, was it carafe three. Okay. No secrets in the brew house. We also learned this. Double really? concoction. Because that's because that's sort of a, hops. Uh, an anti. Uh, I guess when I talk to a lot of uh, German brewers or Belgian brewers, the toughest thing is to like when you say, "Well, let's talk about process or let's talk about ingredients," and they're like, "It's a beautiful day outside, isn't it?" Or you know, like, "Look over there!" Like they won't talk huh. about necessarily a I, lot I don't of the, know. the processes. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's just among if it's just among brewers. Maybe it's but, among brewers, and I'm but, you know, yeah, but, media. So. But we but we do that. I mean, <laughs> no one's gonna uh, attempt to make our beer. I mean, they might, but will they succeed? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people can't see you right. raise your eyebrows and be... wink on the <laughs> radio, but yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah, but thanks, thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, so I'd love, to, I'd love to see that. You know, like Bart Bart Watson add that that Rauch beer wedge to the <laughs> to the overall beer consumption pie. I don't know if they make pieces that thin. You know, it's, it's like it, an imperceivable right. line. It's like a point three font yeah. line, right? Yeah, it's not a you know. But we'll call Bart. We'll we'll get it on it. He's uh, he's going to be my co-host on uh, Roush Beer this week. Um, it's going to be great, you know. And uh, here here's Bart with the uh, with the latest data trends, and he'll just yeah. come on and say, "There's been no change." <laughs> Thanks, Bart. You know? And now back to the wood. Um, right, but. It's got to be helpful in some ways too, though, because you, you will have the people who come in who say, "Oh, it's a it's it's a craft brewery, so I'm going to get my hazy IPA," or you know, there's going to be some sort of you know weird kettle sour with crazy ingredients, or you know, the things that we're used to seeing these days. And they might be disappointed at first, and then hopefully they'll drink the beers and and, and be happy. But there also has to be a huge advantage of that 86 percent of beer drinkers who know lager and pills who walk into a lot of other breweries and they're just looking for a lager or pills and it's like well no here's our blueberry hefeweizen instead or you know and it's like i don't know you know that's a tougher jump to make but i imagine that this is an easier place where craft drinkers can you know bring their parents or you know bring their friends who you know only drink a certain kind of beer and who haven't you know discovered craft in the variety of styles and you know like you've almost created like a gateway brewery i think in in some ways we have got we've got a good story about that i got time so our our project manager before you get in there i don't think anyone's called us a gateway brewery before that's kind of cool do you like that (laughs) that is neat put it on a t-shirt that's uh, yeah (laughs) Your Dovetail Brewery, your gateway to beer. <laughs> there it is, yeah. Um, if, if this doesn't take off, I'm just going to go into pen, marketing. Pending. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, right now there's somebody listening who's just like registering the trademark and just, yeah. It's, uh... so, so our project manager to, in, in the, the build-out of this place, his name is Tim, uh, he, uh, he is a Bud Light guy. Um, he's through, sti- and through. through and through. He still is a Bud Light guy, but... When we met him, he was like huge Bud Light guy, and and uh, I mean I think I think he had his doubts about our our brewing abilities, doubts. yeah. <laughs> but but he but he was you know he was a he was the guy for the job. So he he got this place built. Dovetail Dovetail Brewery wouldn't exist without him. And uh, after we opened, you know, Tim Tim uh, uh, would would still come by. We'd still see him every, every week, and he he would he. You know, he he'd stop by the tap room and he'd drink drink our beer. 
uh, and he gr we gradually won him over with uh, with mostly with our Vienna. Um, he's just he he absolutely loves the Vienna, uh, and uh, but he but he also drinks the drinks the other beers too. And now he he went to a uh, he went to a bar uh, down the street from his from his house and. The, there was dovetail on tap. It was actually actually our lager, which is a, a Franconian style lager. So it's not a Hellas. It's 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 a little 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 darker, a little little um, <clears throat> little higher ABV than than your normal Munich Hellas. And uh, the the bar described our lager as a Hellas, and he he said to the bartender. Um, you know, I don't know if the guys uh, would actually describe that as a as a hellas. It's uh, it's it's a little maltier, you know. It's a little little darker than that. Uh, so yeah, you, you might want to you might want to ask them what it what it actually is. <laughs> wow! So you, you're like educating the yeah. the guy who you know used to you yep. know, think that the four main ingredients of beer uh, didn't include yeast, but was uh, swapped out for rice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's a nice thing to yeah to have. Um, but one of the other things too, though, I, when when making lagers, and we talked about this before we, we we started recording, but I was here last night, and your dad was at the bar, and uh, I got to, to talk to him, and he was you know telling me a lot of stories, and I, I was telling you, I, I I think it's so cool when I get to meet you know family members of uh, brewers and people who you know own these these you know these great small businesses because like you know I definitely saw like the parental pride. Uh, like it's unmasked like when your dad is you know was talking about you and you know uh, you guys starting this place and um, uh, you know and he was drinking the beers and he was having a good time and and you made a promise to him at one point and it's sort of like this yep. this, this is almost the promise fulfilled yeah so I, I told him I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna make a, a, a lager that you'll love and and yeah. and he does like yeah. that's yeah it's yeah. that's sort of a fun thing and I think that that's I often wonder if we all, you know, and, and I talk, you know, about brewers and then, you know, those of us who, who sort of write about this, like sort of forget sometimes about the very elemental nature of this business and the way that the product can connect with the customer. Because it's nice if you have lines around the corner. It's nice if you, you know, can, can kick kegs regularly. It's, you know, it, but like it's, it's this personal experience that is really, you know, just between you know the person and and the glass and if you can you know hit that and and offer that i think it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing oh i agree i mean we we, we have never and we probably will never have lines around the corner um which is fine with me uh but yeah it, it's it's the people that come in and really uh have a connection with the beer uh that hog and i pour our heart and soul into that that's really special i agree I don't know. I think you guys could do a Black Friday release of a Roush beer, and you know, you guys will have the WGN chopper up above uh, showing. Uh, well, that's, sh that's, it's basically we'll it's basically uh, me and Bart Watson standing outside waiting for you guys to open your doors. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah, awesome once, once that podcast comes out, right, you know, it's, uh, microphones in hand. Yeah, yeah. it's, it, it, it's going to be special. There's been a point zero zero three uptick in lager consumption this month. <laughs> It's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's like move, um, moving the needle. It was so when I used to work at All About Beer magazine, the publisher Daniel Bradford uh, at the time uh, kept trying to convince us to do an entire Roush beer issue, and 
every time that this would come up, like we would have these same giggles and this same sort of like, Daniel, like we absolutely can't do that. Like we're <laughs> going to go out of business. Like, and you know, and the magazine eventually did. So like maybe, you know, we would have been okay, uh, but see, uh, yeah, it probably, like, probably would have turned, turned it around turned right it around. there. Yeah, absolutely. He should have um, planned it in as the last, uh, the last issue. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. would have been saving grace. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Round beer will save us all. I don't know how, but it will. Oh, it will. Um, all right, so I, I've teased this a couple of times now, but um, right. Let's uh, get serious. I want to talk about your cool shit because you guys run every beer through it, right? Correct. That's kind of crazy. Correct. Because it's 90 degrees outside as we're sitting here in Chicago today, and you guys are going to use your cool ship today. Twice. Twice. So most people will say, yeah, but doesn't it need to be cool outside, like weather-wise, uh, climate-wise? Uh, in order to properly use uh, a, a cool ship? No. All right. So, uh, yes, it is called a cool ship. But really, I mean, so the way we use it for 90, 90%, 80%? 95, some, I don't know. Somewhere in there. Uh, percent of our beers is um, for two reasons. One is um, primary cooling um, and you know, uh, hot, hot side uh, uh, hop and troop drop. So the word's coming in at 100 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, 212, 210. Born and raised in America, I haven't learned the metric system. Uh, yeah, well. That's, that's my, it's to my own definition. Boiling, it comes yeah, in boiling. I, okay, yeah. Which is usually uh, a lot hotter than it is outside. Um, and then when it, when it leaves the cool ship, it is scalding, which is still a lot hotter than it is outside. Yeah. So therefore, we do have a, a cooling drop because it's hotter than it is outside. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. Uh, you know, and that, that takes about 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes. Um, but, but for us, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Hagen and I's first conversation was about cool ships and... Uh, their importance in a modern brewery um, that you can do a lot of things in a cool ship that you can't do in uh, in a modern brewery without one um, I mean you can do different things but not the what not the beer that we wanted to make um, you know and, and for us there's just a a special character about beer that's run through a cool ship, allowed to rest in a cool ship. And what that is, we have yet to uh, figure it out, but we're still gonna try and drink a lot of beer to figure it out. But you're saying it's important for a modern brewery. Oh yeah. So, but how, why? Uh, I, 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 for, you know, for us, we, we like a modern brewery, but we also like tradition and uh, doing things the right way, at least in the dovetail mentality uh, and, and the right way is uh, you know is is what yeah it's in the glass but it's also just you know being easy on your on your product stream you know so uh, a nice uh, gentle conveyance from the um, kettle into the cool ship and allowing the work uh, to rest and let nature do its course by you know pulling out the uh, solids uh, and then running it off that into a fermenter just seems a much gentler and easier way than, uh, you know, forcing it through uh, a whirlpool. And because 
it's still, as you were saying, scalding. It's still relatively hot. Like during this process, you're not necessarily going to get the wild microbes that you would if for when you're doing your spontaneous beers in the cooler months. Right. It's at it's at sterile temperature. Okay. As it, as it runs off. Okay. So, yeah, and it, I mean, if I had to describe the like the the final product of say loggers that that go through a cool ship, there's there's some kind of there's some kind of tied together nature between all all of the elements of the beer that you that you don't get you don't get with a whirlpooled beer. I don't and we don't know why that is, but we've we've tasted it in in other beers from other breweries that use cool ships and uh, uh, also we, we think it's there in our beer. Hagen can actually uh, uh, taste that in beers. So we've been in places and like, oh, yes, the cool ship. I'm like, no way. Then we ask them, they're like, yep. Like, it, was, it was weird. Really? Uncanny. That's your yep. superpower? Yes. Well, one cool. of them. If yeah, I, one of them, yeah. If I had to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, it's, it's the appropriate superpower for, the, for this, this business. This conversation. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk about the spontaneous beers, though, because, I mean, that's one of the things that I know people geek out on as well. And um, what I so let's if one of you sort of explain this building and what's on either side of this building. Ah, so so we are located. You can you can look on the Google Maps. Uh, we are located 1800 West Bell Plain Avenue in Chicago. And on the east side of the of the building we have uh, the commuter the commuter rail system, the, the Metra. And on the west side of the building we have uh, the L, the the uh, uh, the, the, the local uh, the the local train system, the elevated train system. So we have a lot of, we're in a really noisy spot. Yes. And you, you may have heard in the background the several times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, so we, we get a lot of, uh, and, and I think that's what you're referring to, yeah. right? Our, our, unique, our unique situation here. Yeah. I mean, hard There's, against the train tracks on, on two of your four sides. Yep. And a lot of vibration. Yes. But when I think... This romantic notion of cool ships that we have sometimes are they, you know, they're deep in the woods somewhere, or it's in a meadow, or it's this remote farm brewery, or it's, you know, I, you're furrowing your brow right now, but like it's, it, I think that's sort of this romantic thing that we've, as beer drinkers, have been sort of brought up to think of as cool ships, and you guys got the brown line right outside of yours, yep. and that's and not necessarily idyllic in a lot of ways. It, you know, it, it's not idyllic. And, and yes, I agree, when, when one thinks of a modern cool ship, they think of these great barns and all this stuff, but when you, when you go to these breweries that have used cool ships historically, and you go and look at them, they're in the middle of major cities, mm -hmm. they're surrounded by industry, you know, they're all these uh, places that you wouldn't, that, that are not romantic, except the fact that they're in a great brewery. Um, and, you know, so ours is, yes, it's in this middle of, we're in an industrial corridor between two uh, train lines. But at the same time, if you want to get romantic about it, 
you know, the, uh, the motto of, uh, of the city of Chicago is, um, what is it, in hubris uh, urto? Herbs in horto, city in a garden. Which means, yeah, exactly, city in a garden, right? So um, what we like to say is uh, what the, whatever the brown line brings us, but the brown line is bringing us that garden in the city. Okay. I mean, also just a lot of sweaty commuters as well, but... True. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> true. Okay. But yeah, if you've, if you've been to Cantillon, it's... And that's, and that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. It's in the middle of the city, and it's world-class beer. Um, what's exciting you about the spontaneous program these days and you know, the beers that you're making and the beers that uh, uh, are currently here in these barrels uh, getting ready to greet the world? What's exciting is that it, it seems to actually be working. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know you're concerned, but like, there's a huge risk with some of this. Right? I mean, they're, they're with a lot of it, right? I mean, it's it, it's science, but it's also you know a, a prayer as, as well. Yes. So yeah. So so we we believed in we we believe that the uh, in in the city in a garden, you know, and that we, that we would have. Uh, you know, but we wouldn't we wouldn't make beer like the lambic producers make, and we don't, we, you know, what, the stuff we make is not lambic. It's it's uh, whatever whatever it is. It's spontaneously fermented. Um, um, where was I going with that? The <laughs> you're, I, I think you're going uh, that the excitement comes from tasting each one of these barrels and uh, understanding that <clears throat> each one is unique you know it's like a, a it's like a child of dovetail mm -hmm. uh, and each one is going to be different from the one sitting next to it and the one under it and the one over it um, and that you know every time we we release one it'll be uh, you know a unique snapshot of, of that time when it was made that time when it was fermented and allowed to rest uh, in these barrels yeah and we you know and this is this, it, this is kind of where education comes back into it because our, our belief was that if we if we provided the proper food for the for the microbes that are you know cousins of what you what you find in Belgium that they would all that those microbes would give us something that maybe is a cousin of of that beer how do you go about offering that to to these beers we do a turbid mash. It's one of the reasons that we have a four-vessel, uh, four-vessel brew house. So we actually do. So we do draw-offs. Do, it's a step mash with draw-offs and then and then hot water infusions. Um, and uh, uh, we keep um, we keep a, a variety of of unreduced starches in our in our wort, and we uh, we roll the dice that we're going to have. Um, we're going to have uh, microbes that can chew on those, chew on those starches over the long term. Is there a beer style? Because I don't want to hold you guys up too much longer. But is there right. is there a beer style that you think exists that is uh, criminally underappreciated? The, the the brohan Bro Broyan maybe that's a good one huh I don't know I feel I feel like I 
Like we would have to appreciate. You know what? You know what's criminally underappreciated? I think Leipziger Goza, a true like a proper a proper Goza, because a Goza is not some uh, is a Goza is in our opinion is not a a kettle sour that you should throw any shit into. Okay. You just gonna agree with that, or you're you're I'm good. <laughs> your hands up. I agree. Um, guys, thanks so much for sitting down. This is this is so much fun, and uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to uh, drink your awesome beers with you guys and to uh, uh, see this space. And I want to encourage anybody who's ever in Chicago, uh, whether you live here or not, uh, this needs to be like your top beer destination uh, when you come in because it's just yeah, it's. It's a lot of fun to, to drink these beers and to hang out at this space. So, um, well, well, thank you for that. And uh, why don't you stick around? We'll drink some rock beer and start a new podcast. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Coming up next on Roush Beer This Week. Uh, <laughs> guys, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. I can assure you that there will be no Roush Beer podcast, uh, at least you know, not for the next couple of weeks. Anyway, uh, if you... Do you want to hear something like that, though, let me know. It's johnhall at beeredge.com, or you can find me on Twitter at john underscore hall. Uh, my thanks to Hagen and Bill for the really just a fun afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did recording it. Before we go, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Deschutes Brewery. Are you looking for a new main squeeze? Deschutes Brewery has created Fresh Haze IPA as a hazy twist on their iconic Fresh Squeezed IPA. This juice bomb explodes with orange citrus while backed by a soft malt body. Fresh Haze IPA carries both citrus and tropical fruit flavors from Mandarina, Amarillo, and Cashmere hops. You can find Deschutes Brewery beers in 32 states and two Canadian provinces. Go to DeschutesBrewery.com to find their beer near you. This podcast is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with a smart and critical insight into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe, please, at BeerEdge.com. Our theme music was composed by Nate Schweber. Thanks to him for letting us use it. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks for... All of the support that we've gotten over these uh, first couple of episodes that we've launched. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and we have some really fun ones planned uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Like I said earlier, if there's questions that you have or folks that you think that we should have on this show, reach out to me directly. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com or Twitter, John underscore Hall. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week to drink beer and think beer. Cheers.